Hi, my name's Terry. You are listening to The Streets. Nah, just kidding. My name's Ted Lasso. Actually, it's not that either. Sorry, it's Claudio Ranieri. Wait, it's not that either. But we'll talk about them anyway. My name's Sam. That's Tommy over there on the other side of the world. Not the other side of the world, the other side of the internet world. And uh, we're going to talk about some football on the Night Shift Football podcast. Are you pumped, Tommy? Are you ready to go? I am pumped. It may as well be the world given, you know, the amount of... um. I use a VPN, so the amount of IPs it's bouncing around through. I am probably on the other side of the world, according to whatever browser and surveillance agency are watching us right now. Well, there's that. Do you know what's on the other side of the world as well? An American Uh, TV show called Ted Lasso. A land that we can no longer go to. Is it American? Yeah, I think it's American. It's it's about Americans being in England. Yes. Have you seen Ted Lasso? I've seen bits of it. I don't have Apple TV or whatever it is, Apple Plus. That's just not... I'm sorry. There's too many streaming services already, man. I can't do entertainment and sport. Yeah, no, that's that's completely fair. Um, but that's a different conversation. More generally, yeah, this Ted Lasso, you mean the uh, seven-time Emmy-winning sitcom that's currently about an American guy coaching an English Premier League team? <laughs> that's the one. Don't forget the Peabody Award they won. Don't forget the Peabody. Oh, the Peabody, yeah. obviously. There was a railing against toxic masculinity. The Peabody's everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. This show in the news this week a bit. I had to look it up because I had heard of it. Uh, just haven't seen it. Don't have Apple TV. Like I said, can't stream everything. Damn it. Um, 8.8 IMDb, 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. Apparently people like this yeah. show. And apparently they like it enough for this show to go ahead and secure a deal with the Premier League. For what is it? Where has it gone? Five hundred thousand pounds for this show to be able to use the Premier League bit of money in its uh, in its TV show. So Premier League logos, kits, uh, even the Premier League trophy will feature in the next season of Ted Lasso. For those that follow that, there you go. I think the concept of the show is pretty cool. I mean, I'm not really interested in Americans doing anything, but an American managing in the Premier League would be pretty cool. Um, and it's just, we haven't seen anything like this since goal. And that's, that kind of thing is referenced still to this day. And that's like getting on 20 years old now. Like that's a cr- crazy old film. Um, people love this show. They just love that he's a nice guy doing nice things. And then he has to go into this world of just, brutal results-based decision-making and they kind of incorporate that a little bit. They've got, obviously got the relationship side of the show and then they've just got the personal story of Ted Lasso. Um, yeah, people, people love this show so much that it inspired two other actors to invest in a lower league English side because they were so taken by the whole concept of what is going on and the passion of the fans and just there's at length. Uh, who I'm talking about is um rob mcelanay and ryan reynolds they've bought into wrexham of all fucking teams wrexham league two or are they non-league no i think it's non-league yeah i think they're division the fifth division so it must be the vanarama north or whatever it is mm-hmm. at the oh vanarama national whatever it is at the moment fifth division would be the just the yeah the national league yeah um, there was a real funny, <laughs> was a real funny tweet. Obviously, these guys have never seen lower league football in their lives. They don't understand what it is. Um, and so Rob, uh, who is in Always Sunny in Philadelphia, funny guy, he tweeted out, "We need to get the fuck out of this league." Can you just have a guess as to why he would tweet that out? This was during a game, or oh, during a Wrexham game. Yeah, during a Wrexham, they were away to Aldershot. And he said, we need to get out of this league. Yeah. Uh, Why did he say that they need to get out of this league? (laughs) Because the Wrexham players were using mops, towels, and brooms to clear the water (laughs) off of the surface because it was so waterlogged. Wrexham were 2-0 up after 60 minutes, but the rain was sheeting down at such a rate that they just couldn't play on this surface because obviously it's a a non-league ground. It's like a Sunday league ground. Yeah. Yeah, no, that sounds fake, though, because it's always sunny in England. Hey, yeah, during that brief window of uh, July 7 to <laughs> July 9th. <laughs> Luckily, they sent all their criminals to Australia and kept that for themselves. It's, 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 you know, 
God's paradise. <laughs> Look, I've not been. Let's not shit on it. Come on. I've heard it all rains right. a lot. That's all. Well, that's about as much time as, as I can probably spend on Ted Lasso without seeing it. But we'll shamefully... Yeah, let's, let's never talk about it again. Yeah, no, let's leave it there. We'll shift across into another manager, a real manager, a person who exists in real life, has won a Premier League trophy. Claudio Ranieri is back, baby. He's back in the Premier League at Watford, where he might get maybe a month. If he's lucky. If he's lucky, he might get a month. Because Watford have been uh, chewing through managers during their time in the Premier League. Do you know, I've I've got a little stat here for you. Do you know how many managers Watford have sacked since the Pozzo family took over ownership in 2012? Is it nine? It's more than nine. Holy shit. I, I thought I was around the ballpark with nine, but more than nine. When did they take over? 2012. Since 2012, they've had more than nine managers. Yeah, so it's more than one a year. 11. 13. 13. That was their 13th manager, a managerial departure. So Ranieri is the 14th. True. Will be yep, the 14th. Until, <laughs> nah, until he won't because he's going to win the Premier League again. Is he gonna? Is he gonna do it? Is he? Yeah, and then Andrea Bocelli is gonna sing Ness and Dorma at Vicarage Road in front of the Elton John will probably play piano in front of the Elton John that stand. Fucking what? For, I mean, this is almost worth it now because that would be probably the most unreal collaboration and Wouldn't no it? one has ever thought of. Wouldn't it? Well, thank you. That would actually I've just be now thought of it, and I'm gonna trademark it. But you, Can you trademark thoughts would... like that. <laughs> All right, Big Brother. Okay. <laughs> What is this, Inception? Yeah. But no. Um, On a serious note, I think Ranieri's got his work cut out there. Um, Surely this time, if they're going to appoint someone with the name of Ranieri, they're going to be a bit more flexible and give the time. But they don't really have time. They've got, you know, what are we, seven, eight, nine games in? I think we're nine games in now. And he... Or they... They are shit, so he's got a lot of work to do. Probably the second shittest. The second shittest. Like Norwich are comfortably the shittest. Watford are right down there. Oh, they've only played seven. Sorry, I oversold that. Seven. You're right. they played seven games so far. Um, Jamie O'Hara made a dick of himself on TalkSport um, discussing Norwich's fortunes at the moment. And he made the point that there should only be an 18-team Premier League. And look, I... This kind of thing, I feel like, is just a razz up to get clicks and generate conversation. And this guy is the kind of guy that will do it. Um, but it used to be an 18-team league. And it's, he, he pointed out the fact that Norwich and Watford are so bad this season that they're never going to compete and there's no reason for them to be in the league. But when you, you know, is that, is that something you could contend with, consider? Well, I think, don't you just shift that problem, though? And so next year it'll be the same problem. So say Norwich and Watford, be, yeah. we'll say Norwich and Watford aren't in the league this year, but then they finish top two in the championship, and they go up and they just become team number eighteen and seventeen. Doesn't change that, does it? That's the thing. Norwich finished top of the championship last season comfortably, so they're so coming up anyway. He's advocating, he's advocating for no promotion from the championship. Essentially, <laughs> I love what he's having. Uh, mate, uh, fucking six-figure income talking shite on English radio. That's what yeah. he's getting. We're talking shite on a podcast no one listens to and we don't get anything. We don't yeah, get at, least ours, at least ours is kind of sensical. Somewhat. Somewhat. Anyway, Ranieri, is he going to keep him up or not? Nah, I don't think they're good yeah, enough. The squad's not good enough. The man can work magic, but not that kind of magic. You know, they would have to be like, Hugh Jackman, the prestige type shit, you know? It is, good reference. Yeah. It is. It's, I mean, it's interesting for Watford to sack their manager when they're above Leeds United at the moment. And it, just, it makes you wonder. They're not even in the bottom three. Um, do you think Ranieri manages them if they do go down? Will he manage in the championship? Uh, I don't know. He doesn't seem to have a lot going for him these days, so he might. Might just take it he's on. 60, he's 69, so this could yeah. potentially be his last, a second last job. 
yeah, he's, I don't know. Yeah, hard to say. We'll keep an eye on that one. True. Wonder monitor. I'm glad we'll you didn't laugh at 69 then. Yeah. No, I didn't. I'm an adult. I'm a sensible, mature adult. So, if you've been reading the news today or scrolling through social media, you would have seen that Newcastle United is in the middle of an apparent takeover that has been approved by the Premier League. Has it been approved? I believe it's been approved. I think that was the final stepping stone, yeah. Um, the Guardian talking about how Amnesty have urged the Premier League to block the Saudi-backed takeover of Newcastle. Um, look, I was just going to start with this aspect of the story because there's, there's, I want to talk about this, the whole humanity type thing involved around this. And then I also want to kind of touch on how f- the FFP rules work. But just for the moment, so Amnesty urging the Premier League to block this move because of, uh, quote, appalling human rights record in Saudi Arabia. Um, I don't know what leg you really have to stand on with this when <laughs> most of the money that's come into the like Roman Abramovich, for example, Thank Chelsea, uh, the Eddie had thing, all these, uh, the oil tycoons, they're hardly, they're hardly, uh, ethical in acquiring their money. Um, I don't know if the Premier League would have a leg to stand on in blocking this because of Saudi Arabia's human rights record when they're, you know, the English FA are going to be pretty happy to go to a World Cup there, aren't they? It's for them to draw the line here makes absolutely no sense. Because like you said, Abramovich, where did Abramovich get his money? Where did his family get the money, I should say? Yeah. The oil guys, you know, even you talk about the glazers and you want to talk about hyper-capitalism in the US, like that kind of thing is profited on the backs of people suffering as well. So it's just, where does any wealth generate from? Yep. It's from taking it out of other people's pockets. So, the, you know, this whole, to draw the line of the Saudis is, I mean, it's discriminatory, right? I mean, it, it just, it feels like it's predicated on some or some other otherworldly political decision. It just, you can't draw the line here. Yep. Um, I'm just reading through, well, I was reading through this article here. Uh, this is from Sky Sports talking about how uh, one of the big barriers was <laughs> the Saudi Arabia's commitment to broadcasting um, broadcasting Premier League football. So this is Are all they connect- not at the moment. So this is all connected with, because um, I, just before when I said going to a World Cup there, I was alluding to these ties between Saudi Arabia and Qatar. Being sports mm. is a Qatari network, Qatari-owned network. Um, we all know their issues. Uh, the Saudi state removed a significant barrier to the takeover when it resolved its issues with being sports over the illegal streaming of Premier League football. So basically, Saudi Arabia has now agreed uh, it will broadcast... Premier League football on television in Saudi Arabia through being sports. Um, and they will make uh, all efforts they can to block pirating sites. So in the end, this is all just a big, um, just a flog off about money. Really. Yeah, it's a revenue raising I don't think thing. the Premier League give a toss really about the, the humanitarian argument around this. But no, if, if it's as simple as Saudi Arabia now broadcasting the Premier League, and they say yes, then whatever. Just hurry up and get it done. Get it done. Yeah, exactly. If it was a humanitarian argument, the Premier League would be enforcing vaccinations upon all of their players right now. And that's something that they're, you know, seemingly refusing to do. So when you contextually think about it, humanitarian reasons, it doesn't hold up. It does does seem like it feeds into real fierce broadcast negotiations ahead of the World Cup. And yeah, that's another thing. If it was humanitarian reasons, we wouldn't be all committing to go to a World Cup in Qatar next year. Exactly. So it would never have been there. Um, <laughs> so it does look like it's been given the green light, though. The Premier League obviously are okay with it, and they will take it. Amnesty urging them to block it, but I don't think it's going to happen. Um, they'd be putting their foot in it if they did now anyway. It would just open up a can of worms for them. So the other aspect of this takeover that I wanted to kind of talk about, well, I don't really have much to talk about with it because I actually don't know how it works. I was hoping you might be able to 
know a bit more. But the I'm I'm so in the camp that it's not happening. This has been talked about for like ten years now. This is yeah. not happening in other news that is not happening. Ollie yep. has orchestrated a perfect Manu performance. Uh, Pochettino's figured out how to play his front three. This is just news that is not <laughs> ever going to come to fruition, man. <laughs> three things that will never happen. Yeah, that, they're my three. But one <laughs> of them has now. Um, yeah, the other aspect of this is the the FFP thing. This is something I've never really been able to get my head around. don't know how it works. I could probably figure it out if I Googled enough stuff, but I can't be bothered, so I'll ask you. No. But what is the point of a three hundred million pound takeover of a football club? Is that right? Three hundred million pounds? Have I got that wrong? Doesn't matter. I did see the figure. I'm not sure. Financial yeah. takeover of a club. Yeah, three hundred million dollar deal. Um, what is the point of it if there's FFP in place and you can't just spend all the money you in the world to buy players? How does this the thing, work? The thing about FFP is you can sign what Newcastle would want to do, and it's how Man City started out. This is prior to FFP, but remember when Man City signed Rubinho? That was like their first big, that was it. That was their starlet signing. It was a huge deal. It didn't didn't matter if he did well or he didn't do well because what it did is it broke new ground. It broke new markets in South America. So it It brought revenue. sold shirts. They brought revenue. And so that is how they would go about it. So they would sign one player on ridiculous wages and hopefully market that player and market the team to a point. They've still, you know, the thing about Newcastle, they've got Sam Maximum, they've got Almiron, they've got uh, the long staffs, like they've got good, they've got players that are talented and exciting. And they've got players that are connected to the club through the academy. So it's, it's a good investment option because I think you can actually grow revenue really easily within the FFP credentials. And I would say if Newcastle had money within three to five years, they would be a powerhouse in the first division. If it was played properly. And even then, FFP is so easy to get around. I mean, Chelsea fucking was signing it players like it, when yeah. they had a transfer ban. City is still in the Champions League. Like, there's no yeah. punishment for these teams anyway. So, what does it matter? Um, Milan, AC Milan decided to step out of the Europa League for a year to not get a punishment. Yeah. Exactly. And by stepping, out of, like, the, stepping out of the Europa League for a year allowed them to concentrate on the league and get into a Champions League spot. So... Mm-hmm. You can just get around it, apparently. You can do what you want. You literally can. And yeah. I think clubs are finding that out more and more. Except for Derby. <laughs> All right, should we get on to some actual footy chat? Yeah, yeah, let's yeah. Still get some football. Let's do it. We're going to switch over to another club that was subject to a massive financial takeover. The Qatari-owned Paris Saint-Germain, who we love getting around on here, as in we love getting around them and kicking them. Um, only when they're down. You notice we didn't talk about them last week because I think they won. This week, they lost 2-0 to Wren, so we're going to talk about them. Or the previous six weeks when they were unbeaten in the league. Yeah. That's how we just put Ligue 1 just to the Ligue side 1. for a second. Like, yeah, we need to talk about it. It's fine. Yeah, well, as it turns out, we had this one booked in on the calendar. We said, right, no matter what, this week, we're going to talk about PSG, whether they win That's or true. lose. And it's not our fault that they went out with Neymar, Mbappe, Messi, uh, Icardi, Ronaldo, Sergio Ramos, Hakimi, Donnarumma, all these players, and lost to Ren. That's not our fault. Of all teams as well, like Ren aren't even having that good a season. It's just, this is a totally baffling result. Yeah. they. Um, I watched an extended highlight package of this show. This show. This uh, match. It is a, it's it is a, a show, shit Sam. show. It's a fucking <laughs> shit show. It's a fucking circus. <laughs> Spending that money and not winning every week is a shit show. Um, but yeah, they, they're vulnerable. It was good. We started seeing all the, you know, the Messi standing there with his hands by his sides, like looking at people, like, "What the hell? What the hell are you doing?" What uh, is we going saw on? Neymar stole a, a shot off of Mbappe with his wrong foot and blasted over the bar. Then Mbappe had a one-on-one that he blasted over the bar. It's panic stations at PSG. They're hitting the panic button. They're panicking. They're starting to panic. It's getting hectic. What are they going to do? What are they, what's Poch going to do? Is Poch going to panic? Is he going to panic Poch? Panic Poch. They did not have a single shot on target. 13 yep. shots. Not one tested the goalkeeper. Yeah. That is outrageous. A disgrace, if you will. A disgrace. It's sickening. I mean, they had double the passes of Ren. Sickening. 500 to 200 but nonetheless <laughs> you don't get uh 
you don't get three points for sticking passes together, do you? No, no, you don't. As Peppers, as Peppers finding out very quickly. We'll, we'll get to that. We will get to that. Don't you worry. Um, I just, I love, I love to see PSG lose. It's just, it's a shame. I think that Marseille dropped points on the same weekend, and uh, you know, second place is Lons at the moment, and it just, they're not going to contest them for the rest of the season. PSG are still going to win the league. Um, similarly. We're not going to talk about Germany, but just quickly, similar thing in Germany at the moment. Bayern Munich dropped points on the weekend. They lost 2-1 at home to Frankfurt. But it doesn't matter because the team in second won't be good enough over the course of the year. They're still going to win. Precisely. PSG are still going to win the league. Oh. And Bayern are going to win the Bundesliga. You know, my favorite goal of the week came from the Bundesliga this week. Um, it was Briel Mbolo. Good player. Oh, really good player, man. Had a good Euros. Uh, got a really, had a good, um, yeah, good Euros. And he looks like he's about to spark up this season. Um, scored a beautiful bicycle kick. Yeah, and Gladbach, they upset yep. another another top six side, I think, in Wolfsburg. Yep. Um, they're just doing their thing, they sculping did. players. But he got a really good assist in that game as well. Um, he's That's definitely a goal to go check out. I'll try and find it and I'll, try, I'll share it on the page. It's dope goal. Really good goal. Yep. All right. How about we get into the English top flight? The bastardized first division, yeah. yes. Once again, we've got uh, we've kind of made a list here of the games that we saw over the weekend between us. Not a so run we'll, sheet. Uh, not a run sheet, a sheet that I'm running. Yeah, a, uh, sheeting runs. We're shitting runs over here. <laughs> running shits, I don't know, something like that. We'll go, <laughs> we'll go chronologically again. I know you love this because this is your favorite time of the week. Once again, Man United have failed to get three points at home. And I know that you are just absolutely bursting to hang shit on them once again. So maybe we can do a little bit of that, but we'll also blow up Everton for a good performance. My my first note of this game was I'm so impressed with the Toffees so far. I just, it makes, now I understand why Rafa took the job. It makes perfect sense because the players at the club at his disposal when he walked in are perfectly suited to this really technical low blocking side that are really devastating on the counter attack. And we've seen that time and time again already. Yeah, no, it's got him clicking a bit. Something Ancelotti struggled with last year. Rafa seems to have got him going a bit better. Now the, um, the rejuvenated Andros Townsend, we bloody, we talked him up a bit a few weeks ago saying how impressed we were with his career trajectory, somehow just still sticking on being a consistent top-level Premier League footballer. Um, that finish at Old Trafford and then doing the Ronaldo celebration as well after, that is that is Ultimate. great. That's amazing. That shit answer at the fucking highest level, man. So where to for United? How long does I mean, Oli have? How many weeks can we just talk about their inefficiencies and then roll on to the next week and think... I mean, who's available? Jonathan Wilson made the good point on the Guardian pod this week that who is available right now? Conte is probably the only big name that could walk into Man United and do the job. But even then, he made the point it would be three tumultuous years, lots yep. of ups, lots of downs, and they would leave with a bad taste in their mouth. Yeah, potentially. I think that's a bit harsh on the three years. Um, Conte can get things going pretty quickly. Um but they're stuck with Ollie. They're going to stick with Ollie for a while still, I think. And um, it's going to only be to their detriment. They're kind of doing the uh, – it reminds me a bit of Poch at PSG. Where I think Poch is a better manager and you might be doing much better with Pochettino. But um, mm-hmm. it's Agreed. the same sort of like they get carried over the line by having these stars do wonderful individual things. And that's what United do. As a team, not great. No. I mean, only Oli could bring on Renato and Sancho and somehow worsen the situation. Yeah. I had a, um, I had a thought on Vanderbeek because... Oh, yeah. I know we all, we all talk about how he... Oh, why isn't he playing? He doesn't get a gig. Um, I had this thought. I was, you know, to me, it's reaching this point now where it's been so long that Vanderbeek must be absolutely fucking shit at training. Garbage, you reckon? Just like, completely. <laughs> I don't know. Or like they can't, he can't be, I don't know. They can't have spent this money on him and they can't have all these coaches and things. 
that watch training and that talk with the manager and they discuss the team selections and things. Because it's not just all the manager. He has people helping him. Of course. They can't, He's got a coach in every area. They can't all be saying, oh, you got to get Vanderbeek in the side. Because otherwise he would have played by now, surely. Like, they can't be that dumb that he's an absolute gun and they're not using him. Is there something wrong there? Maybe he is where, just not good. Where would you use him, though? Because he's not, for Man United, with the way they set up with the two or with the, with the striker and then Bruno floating and then the two really advanced wingers, you need two screening midfielders. Yeah. And they're just not confident that Donny can do that. And no, I, they're not. Honestly, I don't think he can do that either. I don't... The signing is a complete disjoint between the director of football and the actual playing squad and what they need. It is 100%. But I think maybe at some point they need to just give him a go. Just roll Even the dice. But who needs... do you take away? Fernandez. But I mean, over the course of a season, the amount of games you play, um, you know, at some point you're going to have to trust other players in your squad to do a job and give them a go. This is all part of developing players as well. You can't develop players if you don't play them. If you're going to only trust the same guys in the same spots to do the same thing every week, uh, you're going to have a bad time. It's true. I mean, uh, the Leeds example is great. Stuart Dallas played left midfield, then left back, and then central midfield. And he's the guy's played everywhere now. You need yep. to have an equipped squad. Utilities everywhere. Yeah. Um, do you think it yeah, comes I down just, to the managerial style? Like, it, is it Oli it might, can't? It might be. He actually can't teach them how to do this yeah it, it could be another point that i thought of uh, why didn't it came to mind i was listening to the guardian last week and we we're talking about their they were talking about the champions league with man united and how this used to be a competition where united could actually go in and in the group stage they were playing three teams that were significantly weaker than them yeah um they could rotate the squad they could give people a run amongst other senior players um, just to give people a gig and give them a go. Plus, they're also so dominant in the league, they could afford to do that. They can't mm-hmm. afford to do that right now. They're in a battle in the Champions League where they have to. But obviously, Oli's in a position where he needs the three points every weekend because this club expects to be challenging for the title every year, and they're just probably not. They're I mean, so on the table, the on other the table they're, you know, they're in the mix on the table, I think, but they're just, they don't look like they can sustain... Well, they just don't look like they can be consistent over a season to be anywhere near thing, those they, top three. They try and fill too many buckets three quarters full, and that's why they finish second in the league and they'll make a respectable stage. They'll make the Europa League final and they'll do, you know, they'll make finals and stuff, but at the end of the day, they don't win anything. And so, you know, we you, you started this off with me wanting to pay them out. I always felt sad for them in a way because I just, I see... Yeah, I pity them now. I see. <laughs> they're experiencing them. what they're experiencing what you and I have experienced as Leeds and Arsenal fans now, and it's like the prolonged frustration of success is right there, but we just can't do enough to grasp it, and that's the position they're in. Even then, what Arsenal fans have experienced and what Man United fans have experienced Different. is nothing on like yeah. eighty of the clubs, eighty of the professional clubs in the English leagues. So, you know. That's true. That's true. Relative. Um, that might do for them. We've had your shit on them for this week. Done. I, tr- I tried not to, but I feel good now. I had to be done. We got around it. Oh, just last note quickly, just a little side note from Everton. Obviously, uh, Rafa Benitez in charge at the moment. Former Real Madrid he managed. He did manage Madrid, yeah. He managed Real Madrid. Um, did you know the next El Clasico will have two former Everton managers? Oh, shut Ronald, up. Ronald Koeman at Barcelona and Ancelotti at Real Madrid. That's fantastic. Two former Everton managers going head-to-head in El Clasico. There you go. There's a little bit of little tidbit. What a so fucking great tidbit that is. Yeah, tidbit. What a word. It's probably my favorite word to describe meaningless conversation. Was that meaningless, was it? No, nah, no, nah, that was cool. No, I enjoyed okay. that. Thank you. How long until Koeman gets sacked? Surely a week. If he loses this, uh, I don't know. I was going to save it because we'll talk about the Champions League next week because it's it's international. <laughs> not this, not this it's international weekend. break this weekend, not last weekend. <laughs> we like have, we said it I was. I can't believe we haven't brought this up yet. 
Yeah, we did say last week that it was international break, so we'd talk about Champions League, but no, it's this week. This week's international break. So next week, we'll talk about the Champions League, and next week, we'll talk about Man United being crap. We'll talk about whether Man City need a strike, and we'll talk about how long Ronald Koeman will be manager of Barcelona for. Anyway, we'll move we on to... We technically did watch international football, though. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we'll move on to Chelsea, Southampton. This was a pretty good game, I thought. Um, Chelsea pretty dominant. And just couldn't find the net. And when they did, it was disallowed. Um, <laughs> one time rightfully, the second time, I'm not so sure. Um, do you yeah, want to take, you... just, just quickly, do you want to take a, sure. a ping at how many disallowed goals Timo Werner has had uh, in the Premier League so far? Oh, disgusting amount. It, it, it is a huge, it's more than Watford have sacked managers. Oh my God. It's 16. 16 goals he's had disallowed. Yeah. Yeah, right. So Isn't that just mind-boggling? So the goals that get disallowed, I did have a note here to mention the refereeing in this game. I believe it mm-hmm. was was Martin Atkinson. Was oh, Atkinson, that's it, yep. The silly old fuck. <laughs> I hope he doesn't listen to this. I don't want to get sued by Martin Atkinson. but um, We have been uh, tweeting at him lately, so maybe he will. <laughs> He, uh, yeah, that side note, follow our Twitter, guys. Um, Martin Atkinson yeah, is atrocious. Live. He's been atrocious for so long. In this game, the goal that gets disallowed, the, did you see the Timo Werner goal that got disallowed? Yeah, I did, yeah. Ray, a, a quotation marks, foul in the build-up. Um, you didn't, but, you know, none of the Chelsea players celebrated. I think they all thought it was disallowed as well. I thought they were going to disallow it for maybe a foul on the, on the goal line by Lukaku. Okay. Yeah. Dumping in for the header and kind of knocking, taking out the defender. But no, they gave it for a foul by Azpilicueta, which uh, if we are going back to rule out goals for these things, I've said it every week, it just ruins the game. It wasn't, it's not that obvious a foul because the referee's missed it. The referee's right there and he's missed it. It's not like an off the ball incident that's caused the goal to happen. The ball is right there. Azpilicueta wins the ball, whether he fouls him or not, I'm not sure. It might have been a foul. It's pretty soft. If we're going to go back and chalk off goals for this stuff, it just it really puts a damp taste about the game in your mouth, doesn't it? It does, for sure, because it's, it's, it's a contradictory rule because you pick and choose when you're going to do it. They don't go back and overrule decisions um, where like second yellow cards weren't given, which we'll yep. probably talk about later in the Liverpool game. Um, they just, yeah, they, they pick these particular moments and it just... It feels too much like a scripted program when they do this kind of thing. And I'm not saying yeah. that it's scripted, but yeah, what yeah. I'm saying is that they're almost taking... They're saying, we've got this here, we have to use it. Yeah, exactly. And But they even then, they still don't apply that consistently. They'll apply no. it in different situations of a game where it looks like it's going to make the game better. Like, it's just... It almost yeah. felt like they didn't want Chelsea to go too far ahead in this game. Because what keeps coming back to my mind is the the stress they had on when they brought VAR in, that it was only going to be for clear and obvious errors. What was clear and obvious about that Aspilicueta foul if the referee is standing right there looking at it and doesn't give it the first time, but he goes and gives it when he gets to see a replay? That's not clear and obvious at all. It is not clear and it's not obvious. Have you ever seen um, a top flight referee when he goes and looks at the screen stick with his original decision? No, I don't think so. Or no. penalties when they give a penalty. But in terms of disallowing a goal, the goal just about gets chalked off every time. Every single time. And it's yeah. almost like, what is the point of sending him over there? Yeah. If of the course. bar wants to chalk a goal off, chalk it off. Yeah, 100%. The other big incident was um, the James Ward-Prowse red card. How did you see that? Yeah, I did think it was a send-off. I did. did? Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame because he was one of those guys... I think he was one of three players to play every minute last season and had done so up until this yeah. point as well. Um, it's no, you know, from he, a, he's not trying to hurt the player. I think it's a send-off. From, from conversation with uh, some local referees here, uh, they seem to think it wasn't a red card based on the force applied. Interesting. So I, okay, cool. I don't know if that should come in. I, I guess it does come into account. I think it does. Maybe. Yeah, it does, yeah. Yeah. Um, for referees, uh, it does. They did yeah. mention it on the on the commentary that it did look 
much worse in the replay than it was. Yeah. I get the studs are up and that, I guess, you know, I, look, I don't have too many problems with it being a red card. It's just one of those things in the game now. Once you, if you go to ground and get it wrong, you've got to be willing to accept reds because referees are hot on it now. The duty of care is with the player. You've got to take responsibility for yourself if you're going to go to ground. And if you go to ground and you mess it up, whether you're malicious or not, because I don't believe James Ward-Prowse was malicious at all. He was just desperately trying to win the ball and he's misjudged it just by, by a fraction of a second. Um, and he gets a red card for it, which I think is pretty rough, but it's, you know, the studs were there. You just got to take care. If you're going to go to ground, you got to take care. I was looking at it Extra in care. the context of um, Pascal Stroke's red card a couple of weeks ago against ah, Liverpool. Of course, you just wanted to bring it back to Leeds, didn't you? Always. Okay. Um, but that almost sending Ward Prowse off there is a consistency of the application of the rules. So I thought, okay, if they're going to do that and they're going to do this, I guess this is how we're playing this season. So uh, I guess, yeah, like you said, you've just got to take that extra duty of care. And yep. if you're going to make a challenge from behind or on the ground with your, with your studs showing, you're going to have to get at 100% right. Which, I mean, this is an interesting conversation because do you think this is maybe to the detriment of defending in the long term, if this is how they're going to apply the rule, because it's very hard to make a challenge now without, you know, breaching some kind of, uh, of look, care. I think you just need to have, you almost need to be 70, 30 in your favor. If you're going to make the decision to slide, that's all. The slide tackle has got to be, I don't know. You got to be real confident of winning it. I feel like I they're trying to eradicate the slide tackle. I don't know about eradicate it. They're just, they're trying to eradicate because I think the problem is lots of players have a very bad technique when they slide. They don't slide properly. Studs are almost always showing or raised in some way. I'm not saying it's because they're malicious. I think it's, it's just a, you know, uh, a technique thing that players just don't seem to have a lot of them. It's a, there's a bit of an art to the slide tackle. Sol Campbell was a master at it. Um, mm-hmm. but I think it's just gone more in favor of the, you know, if you do get it wrong, you're in strife. Whereas in the past, if you got it wrong, it would still just be seen like other fouls. Now, if you slide and get it wrong, it's considered much more serious. So, yeah, cause it is reckless. It can be reckless. Yeah. It's hard for the referee to determine what's reckless and what isn't like what the intent was, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, that's a tough one. At the end of the day, Martin Atkinson, average. Chelsea Chelsea were Above very, average. very good, though. You know, they deserved yeah. a win by multiple goals anyway. Um, and they got it. Vernon, Vernon now, uh, one goal down, nine to go. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I need him to get to I need him to get to eleven for this bet I've got. Okay, so, so I need him ten to go. I need him to get ten more. <laughs> yeah. The bet was that Timo Werner would score more than ten this year. So over 10.5, I guess. I need him to get 11. I'm still confident okay. he'll do it. Maybe. I think he could open up. The, probably the international breakers hurt him, but we'll see how maybe. he comes back. Um, so on to another team that's finally maybe deserved a win. Maybe not deserved the right word, but Leeds finally got a win. They're on the board. We won't talk about them <laughs> too long because I know you oh, watch yeah. them every week, but maybe I guess deserved is the wrong word because they probably haven't quite... They, it's been fine margins with Leeds, you know, uh, a Has chance, been. a chance misses by an inch at one end and goes in by an inch at the other, kind of thing with them all season. Um, but I guess they just haven't been playing well enough to put a result away and put it to bed. This time they finally got one. It was Watford, one um, 0 Sometimes that's just what you need to get going. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I, I like what you said earlier. Like we should have been three 0 up at half time, and I, that is the big problem with Leeds United at the moment. Uh, Bamford's out. Rafinha's playing injured each week. You know, we've kind of lost our creative spark, our kind of uh, like brash newness to the league. People kind of understand what's going to happen now when you play Leeds United. And that is to our detriment. It's just, it's a good thing Watford sucks so fucking bad that they just did not, until the last 10 minutes and they made it a little bit nervy because Leeds hadn't put the game away. They, they're just... They're, yeah, there are three points. Lock it in whenever you go see them. Ranieri has a job in his hands. Yep, he's got an absolute job on his hands for sure. Um, it's. 
I personally have a bit of a soft spot. I don't mind Leicester. It's probably uh, Leeds. It's probably because of you, but um, I like seeing them win. I like their energy. I like seeing Ellen Road packed, especially. I just think it's mm. it's one of those places when you if you're flicking on to watch a Premier League game and you see a packed Ellen Road, that always helps. Um, if you got anything else to add on that, we'll just move brush along. Yeah, no, just move along. I'm just yeah. I'm glad Leeds won. Yeah, yeah, fair, fair enough. Um, so I want to get on to this was probably oh, I guess. Taking away Liverpool City, this was probably the game of the weekend. I thought this was an excellent game. Crystal Palace versus Leicester at Selhurst Park. I was really pumped for this one, actually. when I knew it was on. Um, there's something about Selhurst Park and mid-table Premier League games that I just love. We talked about this last week with the Crystal Palace-Brighton game. And same sort of thing again with this one. You know it's always going to be rocking that place. Um, they found themselves 2-0 down early on. Jamie Vardy on the score sheet once again, setting records. Um, Palace what record back. was this? He, he now has, oh, I can't remember, a ridiculous Put amount. Of, on the spot. After something about since turning 30, he's scored like 90-odd Premier League goals. Oh, right. And it's like. That's the, a cool record, yeah. He's like, the, he's only, he's behind like Ian Wright by like three games or something. So Ian Wright after he's. He turned 30, scored like 90-something goals, um, but in th- like three quicker, three games quicker than Vardy did. I know I haven't really, I wasn't prepared for that, but there you I go. I think you communicated it well. He's an you know old guy point. scoring goals. The point is this guy <laughs> is an absolute late bloomer and has been a star of the Premier League, and here we are. Because we all know how kicks. high in how high esteem people hold in, right? So Jamie Vardy's in his company. There you go. But yeah, that's brilliant. And so he should be. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about Palace though, because they were great. They deserve to win this game. I think Leicester had two chances in the first half and scored two goals. And Palace absolutely dominated. In the second half, Palace continued to dominate, got there, got their two, got back in the game. Um, just an all-round cracking game of end-to-end football, really. Vieira has done such a good job with Palace. They've got a, a team brimming full of young, exciting players all trying to make their mark. And we saw it against Tottenham when they totally demolished them. Get, okay, they had a man extra given. But this is, you know, this isn't the Roy Hodgson Palace. This is like a team that Zaha may even want to stay at. That's how exciting they are. I love watching Palace. And if that's the game that's on, I'm happy to flick it over and look at it. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I don't think he... Um... I don't think Zaha may have a choice in the end. I like they're going to make him go. Well, Palace. No, I think he'll stay just because Palace's. Oh, cool. Yep. Crystal Palace's value on him is too high. I guess the only way he goes, his contract runs out. But even then, I think Zaha wants too high a wage. You know, unless he's going to be willing to sacrifice wage to move to a bigger club and try to win stuff. Uh, but otherwise, I think he should just stay there and he own that team. It's his team. He is, Crystal, he is Crystal Palace in the last five, six years. He is. Is that how long he's been there? I think Maybe so. a little less. It would have to be. 2014? No, I think so. Yeah. But yeah, he, he's a star. And um, I think sometimes he tries to carry too much of it. Burden, but yeah, yeah. They're just, this is a team I don't mind watching under Vieira at the moment. Uh, Gallagher in midfield. Odson Edouard up front. Luka Milivojevic is still a very solid player in midfield that people forget about. I, yeah. uh, and we'll joking, score every penalty. I jokingly said he was a good version of Declan Rice the other night, but <laughs> that's that's not true. But but yeah, uh, I like, like Milivojevic. Butchered a few chances. <laughs> yeah, but there you go. That's that's Palace Leicester. Have you got anything else to add on that? Um, yeah, the XG was Leicester zero point nine three for the game for two goals. So yeah, what you said earlier is probably yep. true. Yeah, fair enough. I never look at it. I just try to make a judgment call. See how accurate my football brain is when I watch a game. You had uh you on. wanted you wanted to talk about uh our mate Odson Edward. Yeah, did you hear this story during the week? I did man not. was finally man was finally forced to pay a compens- compensatory payment of twenty thousand pounds um to a Frenchman of an incident that occurred in twenty seventeen while he was playing for I'm gonna butcher the pronunciation of this Ozier, is that where he came from? Ozier. 
Yeah, uh, might have been. Yeah, might he came through PSG's academy and then played a bit of France football and then ended up at Celtic. Do you know what uh, our friend Odson Edouard did to force <laughs> him to pay a compensate a compensation uh, fund of twenty thousand pounds? What did our friend Odson Edouard do have a guess. to make him Just pay twenty thousand? Uh, you have any idea? <laughs> how could I guess? How could I possibly guess what this man did? What, did he, what has he done? He shot an Did he do a top rifle. decker? He top decked his mate's toilet. <laughs> he top decked this guy in the fucking ear with an air rifle. Jesus Christ. He sent him deaf. He sent the man deaf. And this story only broke during the week. And there oh, was wow. talk about Crystal Palace paying the fund because he's been holding out. He has just, he's just been like, no, nah, I'm not going to pay. I'm not going to pay. I'm not going to pay. Yeah. It. And then all of a sudden it hit this period where they could publish the court hearing of it. And it forced him two days later to pay 20,000 pounds to this man. <laughs> yeah. Wow. There you go. Edward's lawyer initially claimed that there was no indisputable proof that the striker had fired the gun, but the French chamber of civil interest intervened on behalf of the Frenchman who'd been left deaf in one year from the shooting. Yeah. Right. Well, that's a very random story. I guess like, what, 2017, he would have been like, he would have been 17 or 18 years old. Very young. Yeah. yeah. It almost seems, it sounds like the Dick Cheney incident where he shot off that advice. <laughs> Just don't give footballers guns. That's the, that's the story. Shooting the, uh, what are they going shooting for? Like, what are those birds? Oh, those know. birds, buddy. Oh, quails. Quails. I was shooting quail, quail and Dick Cheney shot some bloke. <laughs> Wowzers. Well, that's Palace in the bag. That's Palace and Leicester. Hey, you watched West Ham and Brentford? I did watch West Ham and Brentford while you were watching this. Initially, I watched the first 20 minutes of Tottenham, but that game was possibly the worst game I've seen all year. Uh, By all reports, uh, uh, Son amped it up in the second half, but less said about that game, the better, I think. Uh, The form of Ivan Toney right now is just insatiable. Yep. This guy is like a better Mikhail Antonio. He's yeah. got all the attributes of him, but you know he's faster and he finishes. He's got a little bit more composure. Yeah, a bit more composure in the final third, it seems. His battle between uh, Zuma and Ogbonna was just one for the ages. Yeah, and well, that's um, funnily enough, they couldn't contain him, man. Yeah, and that's quite a centre back p- partnering they've ended up with there, West Ham. Like it's Angelo Ogbonna has played international football for Italy. He's from, he played for Juventus and now he's alongside Kurt Zuma, who is like, he won a Champions League with Chelsea. I think like, he has, yeah. Is he in that Chelsea squad that, that won French, the Champions League? Was he part yeah. of the French World Cup winning team as well? Oh, <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't think, oh, I'm not sure about that. But yeah, either way, you know, that's a pretty solid centre-back pen, uh, back, center back <laughs> partnership for West Ham. Yeah. Yeah. We've been it, big yeah, on them, they, but they... They have these games where they can't buy a goal. The pro- Yeah, the pro- it was definitely a game of two halves where Brentford had the first 25 minutes, like four guilt-edge chances, and they could have been two or three up. And even, even the goal they did score, it's a magnificent, I'm going to call it a double save. It's a great double save from Fabianski. That is millimeters over the line. The man has single-handedly tried to keep his team in the game. Second half, West Ham definitely get on top. They have a few Gilded chances, like Bowen misses a good one. Sufal is running a mug. Declan Rice misses a good chance. You know, they finally equalize. And you just, you love to see an away team score in the 95th minute of three minutes added on. It's just, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's, it always creates absolute scenes. I love those sort of goals where the ball is just kind of bounced around the penalty area. And someone Simple. just whacks it in, like, and it goes through a, like an absolute sea of bodies, and just somehow smashes makes it in, smashes the net, and just oh, the scenes ensue. It's always so scenes, good. yeah, yeah, and it's great Hashtag because scenes. you can you can hear like the Brentford fans because like the, obviously the London Stadium is it's too big for football, and so you can kind of hear them minusculely. They've, in they've the made it better. They've they've they have made it better. Yeah, it's it's better now, but yeah, still not ideal. Um. There's enough exits in the stadium, though, because the one thing I did notice as soon as the goal went in, the West Ham fans funneled out within a minute. 
like if there's ever a fire in the stadium, everything oh. is cool. Everyone's we, getting out. We saw that there a few years ago when they were having those protests against the owners and the way the stadium <laughs> yeah. would just empty all of a sudden uh, when things weren't going their way. But there you go. Well-designed Olympic Stadium, London. Congrats. Well done, everybody. It, you there definitely you go. got safety in mind, duty of care. Yeah, brilliant. Hey, are we, we... we going to be... I was just going to say, yeah, are we going to be proven on. wrong about Brentford or... Are they going yeah, to dissipate? Yeah, because now nah, we, well, I think we we're already proven wrong because I thought they were going to be dead bottom. Um, I did I say they get 20 points. <laughs> I think they've already done enough to not go down. So, you know, they look very competitive. Yeah. They're doing it. They're doing the Sheffield United. Um, good luck next season, Brentford. <laughs> there you go. If, you, if uh, you've got Pontus Jansen at the back, good luck. Yeah. Hey, shall we get on to the absolute fucking game of the bloody the probably biggest game. The year so far? Um, Amazing. We'll get through this and we'll wrap it up. But Liverpool versus Man City. Oh, wah, 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 wah at Anfield. Christ, what a football game. Christ, the reason we watched this fucking stupid league. Yeah, the reason I was up at bloody 4 a.m. rubbing my eyes, running on fumes, like watching all this crap and that's why so we can get like one of these games where you're just like oh my god it was so worth it this was amazing it's like the pinnacle of football match it's exactly why there's this weird stat breakdown they do now which is like chance creation it's some somehow weighted by possession i don't know but just the the evenness and you could see the flow of the game where city would come on top and then liverpool would come on top and then city would wrestle it back and the liverpool would wrestle it back it was just it was pulsating. It was brilliant. It was just fantastic. Yeah. If I'm honest, City should have definitely won this game. I think so too. Yeah. I, I think they too. were, I think they were much the better team, but that's, I guess that's also just, that's not a shot at Liverpool. I guess that's also a, a testament to them and their ability, Liverpool's ability to just not lose. Yeah. Um, like I know they would consider it not a good result drawing with Brentford three all. But they conceded three goals and still didn't lose. And that's what title-winning sides do. Uh, that's what Liverpool seem to manage to do. Um, City, I guess, once again, just sparking this argument about them having a striker, but I, that had nothing. it has nothing to do with it. I'm so sick of this chat about has, not having a striker, man. It has nothing to do with it because they have other games where they're going to score five or six. Um, they've got players that score goals. They miss chances. That's not... You know, that's nothing to do with not having a striker. They're still making the chances. Wingers, you know, wingers score the goals these days as well. So, and they got plenty of wingers. Um, so they have no problem with finding the net. They scored two in this game at Anfield, you know. So there you go. What do you think of Salah's goal? Is that is that going to be hard to beat for goal of the season? Uh, yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It was amazing. The only thing that could have beaten it was probably uh, that goal in the first half. Uh, the Sorry, the chance in the first half that didn't end up in a goal where Bernardo Silva ran rings around Liverpool's midfield, tore away, sat Van Dyke on his ass, and he fed Love the ball. See. I think he fed the ball through to Foden. Foden, maybe, but it wasn't put away. But that would have been one of the goals of the season for sure, but it would have mainly for the assist. But it didn't go in. Salah's did. So Salah will probably get goal of the season on that. That was remarkable. It was very reminiscent of his, um, the goal that he won the Pushkas Award for when Riley was nominated. Yep. A very similar goal. And I think you will see it up, nominated for everything this season. That was yep. just, he is just a remarkable human being. Yeah. Well, last week, I think we did it last week, didn't we? We went over those. We did, yeah. The records i think you posted something on the page on the facebook page this week about it as well um mm -hmm. yeah and then this he guy is, again he's in goat territory he's in goat territory for sure i just i they said it on the guardian pod again like i think in 20 years time there's going to be liverpool fans who are fathers taking their sons and daughters to their first games and saying uh you know we played city 20 years ago today and Salah scored the greatest goal I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Oh, I was sitting in, uh, you know, section N14 row, bloody A6. <laughs> yeah, this is Salah, the ticket. Salah did this it. and it's then in he, my went, wallet. he went left. He beat all 11 of them. He beat 11 of them. 
Because as the years go by, the, the goal gets better, you know. He started yeah, his run from his, its own. Started his run from his own penalty area, beat every player on the field, and then went back around and beat them all a second time and then scored. That's how those stories work. Well, even the even the assist that he set up the the first Liverpool goal for, where he sort of um, touches it through his legs on halfway, beats the defender, it all ends up. Yep. He he just continually reaches new levels, and you know people are putting him in the Messi Maradona category now, and I'm not. I wouldn't shy away from that conversation. Yep. Now that's what did um, you make? What did you make of? Pep's comments after the game about Which, the Anfield bias. Did you read this? Uh, no, I didn't see this. I didn't actually see this. This was I, pretty much in the wake of the Milner challenge that he perhaps should have oh, been sent that, off for. No, no, perhaps that it was a blatant second. Definitely, yellow. yeah. They they mentioned it on the Guardian as well. They're talking about how his first one it looked like he was just copping yellow. He's like, yeah, I'll copy yellow for the team. The second one looked exactly the same. It looked like he was just taking a yellow and he didn't get one and he stayed on the path. That is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it's probably a travesty. Pep said in the wake of it, how could that challenge not have been a second yellow card? James Milner is one of my best mates, but we have to tell the truth of the situation. (laughs) Um, Nobody's disagreeing with me. And then he suggested that at uh, Old Trafford and at Anfield, there are certain decisions that go the way of the home team's you're shaking your head. You don't agree. Yeah, I don't agree. I think that had nothing to do with what stadium that game was being played in. The referee got it wrong. I don't think he got it wrong because of some sort of bias, whether deliberate or subconscious. I don't believe that at all. I think he just, I think what maybe got me off the hook there was like Henderson being in close quarters as well. Was it Henderson that was there with him as well? Looked yeah, like Henderson might have. Right on it on. even looked like Henderson might have at one point fouled him anyway as well. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just I think he's got a point with saying it should have been a second yellow. I just hate when this happens sometimes because it's too easy to get caught up in this. It seems to be a big trend these days of the managers of big clubs whinging about the other big clubs and the yeah. results they get. Oh yeah, Hell when yeah, yeah. When, when they get the you same all, shit. Yeah. And when you all have like the money to spend on players and build squads and win football games um, well enough to take the referee out of, you know, out of the equation, um, Pep should just be more worried about the amount of chances they didn't put in the net. You know, it's one exactly. of those sort of things. So, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The referee's bad. And we whinge about referees on here as well. But I'm still a firm believer in you just. If you play well enough to take the referee out the equation, the equation it doesn't matter. Which they did. City did play well enough to take the referee out of the equation. They just didn't do the final thing of putting the ball in there because they don't have a striker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they should have signed Ronaldo. They should have signed Pele. They should have signed Kane. They should have signed anybody. Ibrahimovic. No, no I don't agree with Highland. that. I think Grealish is Jute. There was a there was a comment during the week. It's like. It's like signing Grealish um, to play fucking checkers for Man for Man City up top. Like, why would you sign perhaps you know the best creative midfielder in the league and then play him as a false nine? Why would you do it? But uh, I think it's just going to work for him in the end. I think it's going to work out. Yeah. Individually, just, they're very good. It's just going to be one of those annoying conversations we're going to have to hear all year. Um, yeah. About like, you know. Oh, you know, that because if they don't win the league, it's not because they don't have a striker. It's because Chelsea and Liverpool are both very strong teams this year as well. And as a, like, not as a neutral, I guess, a neutral in the title race, at least, um, <laughs> it's, it's good to see. I want multiple teams, like more than two as well, battling every week. So every week you look around the grounds and, there's like three or four different games that are going to have an impact on the top of the table. That's really what we want. That's what we're getting. Um, just because you mentioned the Pep Guardiola's comments, I was just going to mention one of Klopp's because this is another thing that pisses me off as well is Klopp has come out and started talking about, um, he was like, oh, you know, if Ronaldo or Messi scored that goal, We'd be talking about it as one like an amazing like goal and like being world class and stuff and blah blah blah. And I was like, 
Jurgen, who who in their right mind doesn't think that goal was world class? You just you're conjuring things. You're trying to be a victim for no reason, Jurgen. Exactly. That is an inane comment. It makes no sense in the reality of the wider conversation, even in the mainstream media. Yeah. It's not just us. Everyone is talking about Salah being one of the all-time greats all of a sudden. Yeah. I just, what is the point of that comment? (laughs) I know. Just appreciate the goal. I'm getting petty now, but that's another another one. It's like. um, (laughs) I love petty, Sam. (laughs) Always at the end of the pod. I love getting petty, but when Liverpool fans are like, oh, oh, so much for a one-season wonder. It's like, who the fuck ever said like, how many right-minded people ever said he was a one-season wonder anyway? Of course, we had to wait for his second season to do anything. And then he did his second season. He smashed in goals. Now he's at his third season, smashed in goals. This is his fourth? Fifth? Maybe fifth. I don't know. It's something smashing like that. Smashing in goals. You get Always. my point. You get my point. Are though. we, we going to tag things, him? These aren't a real thing. No one's out there saying he's a one-season wonder. No one's there was out one here. Person. <laughs> there, was, there was at least one, obviously. <laughs> No one's out here saying his goal against Man City wasn't world-class. Just the point, I guess, is all the managers of the big clubs just shut the fuck up. Molly, Molly's one of the worst. Pep's terrible. Jürgen's a massive whinger. All of you just shut up. They're all shit ass, basically. Uh, Tuchel keeps his mouth shut. Arteta doesn't really talk about the opposition, which is nice. Tuchel, interestingly, this... uh, uh, Was it this week? Oh, it was after, we're going to talk about the Champions League next week, but after the Juve game, he publicly <laughs> publicly damned his players, mashed them. Yeah. Said what they weren't good about? enough. He said they just weren't intense. They weren't sharp. They weren't good enough. But I don't mind it. Like, I like obviously, it. Obviously, that's not a great tactic in the long run, but, you know, after they haven't really lost many games this year, you know, they've, they've lost a game to Juve where they didn't look great. And he said they didn't look great. He didn't go. Makes sense to oh, me. There's these biases that, you know, when you play at Juve, they've got these biases. Just get on with it. Play better. Yeah. But, All yeah. you can do as a manager is address your own performance. And that's wow. what he did. So I don't I don't see why this is such a big deal. <laughs> it's not a big hammer blow. Why? These guys, why are these guys so sensitive? <laughs> I don't know. I never saw this pod ending in a rant about the managers of the big clubs whinging to the media all the time. I just, it wasn't I on the run sheet, was it? No, nah, it wasn't on the the, <laughs> the shitting run or whatever the we call it. Shitting run. Shitting run. <laughs> it wasn't on here, but we got there because they just don't shut the fuck up. Yeah. Ollie's number one culprit, but they're all pretty bad, I guess. Hey, we should, if we're going to do this, we can't leave out Sean Dyche either. We should rip on Sean Dyche just for two Sean seconds. Sean Dyche. Yeah. I didn't even see who they played this week because I don't give a shit about you, Sean Dosh. There you go. If you're listening, Sean Dosh, I'm the same. Eat it. Did they win? Did they lose? Doesn't I think matter. they drew nil all. Don't care. With Norwich, maybe nil all. I'm not sure. Oh. I don't give a fuck. Whatever. Should we wrap it there? I've got a few shout outs. Just quick more. Oh, here we go. Uh, Socceroos tomorrow yep. or today. Are you uh, doing a shout out? On. Is this a shout out to the Socceroos? But none of them listen. This is a shout out to the Socceroos. No, it's it's a reminder that the Socceroos uh, are playing. By the time people listen um, to this, the Socceroos will have played. They would have played, and you know what? Yep. They probably would have limped to like a one nil, eighty ninth minute winner, Mitch Duke against Oman. And yeah, I think we we win by a couple of goals. You reckon? But yeah, this is the falsified home game. We'll Five a.m. tomorrow. Are you going to yeah. watch it or no? Nah. Yeah, I might. I might try and get up and have a look. Go on. The big, the big one is Japan on Tuesday. Um, yeah, eight forty-five South Australian time. That'll be the true test of the metal. Yeah, that's the big one in the World Cup qualifiers. Is the one we had circled when the groups came out was Japan. Um, see how we go. I'm a bit worried. Mm. Mm, Let's just worry on. about them. We'll get through Oman first, and then. See what happens. I mean, we just have to finish second, I guess. So, yeah, let's also, just beat everyone we, and lose to Japan. We've proven we can go through third to get a World Cup as well. So, yeah, maybe we can do that. The other big one I wanted to say: Adelaide United Olympic confirmed at the Valo Sports Stadium, Angle Park, yes. Sunday the seventeenth, three PM kickoff. Yes, be a this will be a fantastic game. I'm already organizing the swap work so I can get down there. All right, I'll be away, so Every, I won't be able to attend. Oh, you're going to be on end yeah. of season trip. End of season soccer trip. Yeah, Sunday league. Yeah, yeah Sunday yeah. league. Anyway, that's a big game. It'd be really yeah. fun to see the first time people at the Fellow Sports Centre. Well, 
there's already talks capacity might only be about 1400 so okay that's okay. uh there was a lot of people disappointed today with that announcement of the game being at the parks mm-hmm. um i guess it's because it's olympics home ground essentially but still not sure about this decision i guess they can't use that uh, high marsh at the moment because it's being done up um there's no change rooms at high marsh currently because they're getting set for the women's world cup but um yeah there's that so we'll see how that goes we might talk about that a little next week as well or we'll probably wait till the week after and talk about the result um, yeah talk yeah. about the wash up any other um, shout it's outs? gonna be a, it's gonna be on artificial turf what do you think about yeah. that yeah oh just, whatever just have you football. played on artificial turf lately or not uh, oh since you asked, I scored a goal two minutes into a cup final last year on artificial <laughs> turf. Um, no, I have. I've played. I've played many times and trained many times on artificial turf. Um, Any I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to do it every week. Okay. You know. You know what the ball is going to do. Um, it's great for it's passing. Bonus. It's great for you know. It's not great for slide tackling. Um, but you Good know, they're getting rid of it. You know, it's it's just a football pitch. It's fine. People make excuses about it when they don't get results. Um, you know, it's just one of those things. Both teams are playing on it. Deal with it. Get on with it. Adelaide United should still be too good for Olympic and win, but you just don't know. Fingers crossed. We'll see what the team comes out like. Might be all kids again. Yeah. We'll save that. Anyway, um, we might wrap it there. Oh, unless you've got any more shout-outs. You can shout no, out, you know, done. Shout no more shout-outs. No. Other than the downs. Go on the downs. <laughs> yeah, Sunday League. Finals this weekend, the Challenge Cup. A bunch of satellite teams getting into the late late rounds this year. So I do enjoy exciting. seeing this. Yeah. yeah, I like seeing. I mean, this. the, the satellite division is strong. Yeah, um, the seniors was uh, four. There was four uh, Sunday teams left in the semifinals, mm-hmm. but the but the quarterfinals for the reserves had six Saturday teams and two Sunday teams left. So usually usually the Sunday teams kind of kind of without I'm not trying to disrespect the Saturday divisions at all, but they kind of tend to get to the later rounds more. Um but yeah, I am actually in the process of writing up a little Sunday league piece. Yes. Um just to wrap up the amateur league season and give a bit of a shout out to all the supporters and volunteers and clubs that get involved in this competition over the course of the year because there's like, you know, we've got like seven Saturday divisions, seven Sunday divisions, a cup competition and over 35s cup and over 35s league. Um, so many people involved, local football. It's so good. So I'm going to do a bit of a shout out piece for that. Yeah. Especially during the pandemic as well. It's been such a fucking tough yep. year tough. to do this kind of thing. Yep. So yeah. Heroes. Excellent. We'll wrap it there. See you, mate. See you, mate.